Good evening and welcome to episode 14 of Truth Talk. It is the date we are filming this. It is Sunday, November 8th, and it's been a week, wild and crazy week, and so we thought we'd um, stop and um, we've kind of ended our first kind of series of, of discussions that's been more lengthy and drawn out. We've had a few few things, but we've, it's been our first kind of lengthy series of discussions, and we thought we'd sit back and reflect on somewhat and on that somewhat and about where we are right now um, as the church. Uh, we also have a special guest tonight. We have Hans Wunsch, as we known far and wide amongst all of our local Mallory churches here. Um, he is the director of the uh, Mallory Association. I don't know what the official title, director of missions, uh, Mallory Association's director of missions. And he's gonna um, share with us some what's going on with the Mallory Association and then we'll um, dive into kind of state of the church, I guess, um, especially here in our local assembly um, here in Worth County. So Hans, we're gonna let you just give us a little Mallory update to start off. Well, thank you very much. And just, just to say that, uh, of course, back in March, we, all of our churches stopped meeting in person. And since then, we've kind of been trickling back together. You know, some of us got back together starting around Mother's Day and, and uh, beginning of June. And, and then there's a few more that came on a little after June. But very few of our churches are what, what I would consider 100% of back to normal programming, normal worship service times. Um, I'd say probably about half of our churches are doing small groups uh, in person. Um, all of them, except for one, uh, are doing Sunday morning services inside their sanctuary. We've got one that's doing uh, Sunday morning outside the sanctuary for now. Um, and so we we're kind of all trickling back. Some of our churches have decided not to do Sunday nights, but then they're going to do Wednesday nights. Uh, just different things, uh, but you know, everybody trying to navigate these waters for what's best for their congregation. Because we recognize that uh, Antioch and Isabella are in a different place than Central and Sherwood and uh, Gillianville and other churches within our association. So. We, we recognize that, we celebrate that, and some of our churches have started their choirs back, uh, which is great uh, for those churches that are able to do that. Um, some of them have chosen not to do that just yet, um, and others are still really trying to figure out their online presence, doing a good job with that. So uh, anyways, it's, 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 it's a mixed bag, but it's, it's, everybody is trying to communicate the gospel to their congregation, and I think that's the most important thing. I think that's the most, I think we're, we're trying to figure out, I mean, I don't think we are at Antioch. We have a desire to, to get back to establish our, what's gonna be our normal until mm -hmm. everything kind of settles down. Well, in the demographic of every church, and, and even in our you know, southern rural area, it's still very different, um, depending on who you have, different ages, um, you know, different needs are there. and. You know, and I think too, it's, it's taken, um, Jason and I have had lots of conversations just amongst ourselves about how this step back has really been a time of reflection for us to really look at our ministries and look at our services and say, you know, we did without for so long and, and we know that's not where we need to be, but we need to make sure that we're meeting 
with a you know with the right purpose and that we're not just meeting and doing it this way because that's how we've done it for so many years that you know that it's just been a time of, of good reflection and pause to kind of um, just make sure that we're where God wants us to be and that we're serving in a way that's pleasing to him not just out of obligation or tradition and you know in different ways like that so in some ways it's been um, you know it's kind of been a good I mean, who thing to do who that but would be doing a kind yes. of talk, talk format type thing mm -hmm. to discuss and to dig in to what the Bible is trying to teach in us. And I think that that has been the good thing that has come from this forced kind of People have gotten creative. Yeah, you yeah. had to get creative and, and everything. So it, it's, it's been, for me, a great transition period mm -hmm. um, through all that. But I know that, that we do have a lot of desire to try to, to get more regular but there continues to be things that precautions kind of that have to be taken chip away measures that still need to be mm -hmm. you know and you know is the considered? church are we are it almost feels like we've moved into a new church era right <laughs> you know so are we prepared to to nav how prepare or how prepared are we to navigate this new era that we find ourselves in as the church and i think that may be one of the scariest and the best things about this for those that are willing to do it right. is to look and see what is the change that needs mm -hmm. to take place where are we going mm -hmm. you know um, what do we need to do to affect the world in which we live in and that's a scary thing is mm -hmm. to be able to say maybe some of the things we've done in the past don't need to be done anymore uh, there's nothing in the Bible, this is what's so hard to deal with from a leadership point of view and from a congregation point of view is there's nothing in the Bible that says we have to do things the way we've done them. Mm -hmm. the, the Bible says we are to fellowship and worship together. Mm -hmm. But it leads a broad strategy range for us on how to do those things. Mm -hmm. And the needs of our people have changed. Um, you know, whereas one way of worship and, or one way of providing service in times and days may have worked before, our world does not function the way it did eight, ten months ago. And so, you know, needs have changed even amongst families and amongst um, elderly. And so it, now is a good time to really uh, re try to figure out how we're going to navigate those times as, in church, but as the church because our job is to serve, our job is to minister, our job is to spread the gospel. And like you said, the Bible doesn't necessarily tell us how to do that or specific times to do that. Where to go, yeah. you, you know. know. We, we hear all the time, we're ready to get back to normal. And I get that. Right. And I rather had, you know, in some respects that normal than what we have gone through. <laughs> but I also look back at that normal and say, we weren't burning it down with baptism, per se, yeah. across the whole spectrum of churches. Um, in some churches, there's no discipleship, no, you know, no evangelism training, none of these things going on. So, again, what was that normal getting us? Mm -hmm. And the overall, the, the church is in a rut. Yes, it is. We're just, we're just spinning the reel, doing what we know to do. But what was it getting accomplished mm -hmm. for the glory of God? And, right. and I think we, you know, we can sit back and say, okay, this was working. 
But some of these things here, what can we tweak? What can we maybe do a little bit better? The discussion we're going to is in, in, the, in the world of politics, but really that the, the, the connection is there. Really the church has been losing its influence for most of my lifetime. And you've got to ask why. And maybe it is because we were hanging on to things, relics of the past. And the world just kept right on The world has evolved us. around us, and we have not, we have neglected keeping up with that. And I'm not saying that we need to allow the culture to influence the church, because that is not the answer. Right. But like you said, the church has lost its influence on the culture and on the world. And it may be because we have lost sight of our first love. We mm -hmm. have lost sight of mm -hmm. what really is important because we got too busy doing things mm -hmm. and not ministering, without, not sharing the gospel. Without picking on them, and I'm not because I, I respect them, but take a culture like the Mennonite culture or some of those that will, will not change with the culture in which they live in. And so they keep a very tight community, keep you know control of their folks, but they're not affecting they live in that community, but they don't affect the world around them. They don't allow electricity in. They don't, you know, that they are not mm -hmm. affecting the world. Right. And so the world has passed them by. They're living in that closed capsule. And if there's a, I don't think a middle night will ever hear this. But they do. I'm not, I'm not trying to throw dispersions on you. I'm just saying. And that's what I think in a big sense the church may have done too. We've. Encapsulated so ourselves. inward focused. We've grown our little kingdom in our building. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We've uh, forgotten how to be the church. Mm -hmm. We got too busy doing church in some aspects that we have, and I think that's one of the one of the things we talked about in our Sunday school class this morning. Our um, Sunday school lesson out of the Lifeway material was about being committed to the church and not being committed to the building or just a body of believers, but as the church of Christ. And I think that overall is an issue that we are suffering from, is we have lost sight of how to be the church. And can I say that one of the things that I think is amazing through this process as a DOM uh, is that we've had churches that were helping each other with different things, mm -hmm. maybe more so, and not that there wasn't cooperation going on beforehand, but especially now there's, you know, hey, how are you, how are you guys doing this when, when you're getting mm -hmm. it out to, to the Internet? Or how are you handling these things? The, the idea of gathering thoughts from each other, and because we, we are, we're navigating waters that we've never been in. And in fact, we may be navigating what we think are waters and they're actually mountains, yeah. right? Um, and so, but I think part of the thing too is that we've, we've had this, this slow drift. And, and, that, and that slow drift has been towards what I would call cultural Christianity. Mm -hmm. You know, we, there's, there's, a, there's a religious Judaism and there's a cultural Judaism. People who are born into the race of people who are Jewish, they, they would consider themselves Jewish, but they not, may not be practicing Jewish people. Could even be an atheist. Could mm -hmm. even be an atheist. In fact, I, I had a, a friend of mine in seminary who was a completed Jew, is what he called himself. But he had a good friend who knew the entire book of Psalms all 150, including 119, by heart, memorized, in Hebrew, and was an atheist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, that, that just blew my mind. I didn't know what to do with that. And, and how, you, how you could have that much biblical information in your mind and still reject God. 
So, but I think the same sort of thing is going on within Christianity. We've said, well, I'm not Buddhist, and I'm not Jewish, and I'm not Mormon, and I'm not this, and I'm not that. So I guess the only one left is Christian. So I guess that's what I am without actually having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Right. And I think that has, it shows up in the ineffectiveness of the church mm -hmm. because there is no compelling desire to make a difference in your community. Whereas when the Holy Spirit came upon the new church there in, in the book of Acts, they had a compelling desire to impact their communities. Mm -hmm. and, and it was a direct task, you know, that they were to go from, you know, to Jerusalem, Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, you know, and that was the direction. And, and, and they went at it, you know, with But gusto. they were forced out. They were they, forced out. I they mean, were. I mean you, you look at the beginning of the book of Acts, and they're all in their holy huddle in, in, mm -hmm. in Jerusalem, and then Peter and John, you know, get arrested and beat. Mm -hmm. And then people start losing their jobs and people start selling their property. And then finally, Stephen gets murdered and everybody's like, mm, oh, uh, mm, yeah. and they start leaving. But it wasn't the apostles that left, right? It was, it was the, the people, the apostles stayed in Jerusalem. It was, it was the converts. It's people like three, three week old Christians, you know, two month old Christians that were going to places like Samaria and planting churches, mm -hmm. which I think is an amazing thing is that you know, this says that, Anybody who is a believer in Jesus Christ can be a part of the process of planting a new congregation or being a part of a valuable part of the congregation. We feel like the only parts of the body that are important are the pastor or the, mm -hmm. the song leaders or ministers of music or whatever positions you have, the deacons within the church. And we forget the fact that even within our own bodies, there are very like I would I would be pretty upset if I was missing serious chunks of my body. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. and, and, and I think we should start thinking about our own body of Christ in that way. Yeah. Like, and it's well, in Romans where Paul talks about, you know, and, and makes the illustration and the analogy between the body and all the individual parts and the roles that everyone right. in the church has to play. Right. And we can't all be eyes. Right. Yep. Yep. Be an odd looking creature. We would be very odd. And in effect. And we could see something. Yeah. Maybe. Do anything about it. Right. So, yeah, so that, that's actually, uh, I mean, a lot to be talked about there, a lot to be discussed, and uh, uh, part of our problem. So, yeah, that's a, that's a, a world that we, we're seeing, and I think that's caused part of it. And, and then segueing into our, our, our subject for tonight, and yet the church, when we talk about politics and everything, we're so concerned that we get everything right politically so that our lives won't get messed up in him. We won't have any problems. Mm -hmm. We want to stay nice and soft and comfortable so we can just keep right on mm -hmm. doing nothing. Hmm. Well, and in, in like leading into kind of where our conversation is going, in Romans, we're in chapter 12, and this is where Paul is telling us about the body and everybody's position. And then you jump into chapter 13, right after that, he starts saying submission to authority. And so the question at hand is, how do we do that? How do, how do we, and so the question at hand is, how do we do that? How do, how do we as Christians take our faith and who we are and, and exist in our political world and in, in our culture today? I think we all have questions as to, well, what comes next? This is where we are. What do I do? Well, the, the thing is this. I, I believe in my whole heart I share with our congregation this morning. No matter who's in 
the White House, no matter who's sitting at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, it does not change the mission of the church. That's right. Absolutely. The church is going to exist under the presidency of Donald Trump. The church will exist under the presidency of Joe Biden. The church is going to exist. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Elaine brings up an interesting point in Romans 13 where it talks about submitting to our governing authorities because all authority has been placed there by God for good or judgment or whatever it may be. But at the very end of that section, it says, honor the king. We think we got it bad now in our society. We haven't seen nothing to what Paul was living under when he wrote those words, honor the king. He was talking about Caesar who would take his head off just a few years down the road. And he is saying, as a believer, honor the king. He told Timothy, pray for those who are in power. You know, I hope that you pray for the president we got now. And whatever president we get in the next few months, you need to continue to pray. But we need to get in our heads. This did not rock the kingdom of God. That's right. God's kingdom still exists. The church still exists. And we still got a great mission before us, regardless of who is the elected leader. That Caesar happened to be Nero most yes. of the time that Paul was writing. And Nero would take Christians and Jews, impale them on stakes, soak them on oil, light them on fire while they were still alive keep his gardens uh, lit, at lit, lit at night so he could enjoy them. I mean, and yet Paul still said, he is the governor, he is the king, and we were to pray for him, Paul was and did, and uh, he was the authority that God had set up. And I so. think it's because Paul, throughout all of his, he set his, you know, he says, be careful you don't set your eyes on earthly things. Mm -hmm. You have to set your eyes on heavenly things, and it's funny, Laney and I were both drawn to similar uh, passages of scriptures because she went to Romans and I went to Ephesians and his and you talked about putting on the armor of God and this is our whole armor of God and he says this you know for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against rulers of darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand you know, and that's, that is what, it, what we mean and what the Apostle Paul means to, to not be so, have your focus so much on earthly things because you don't control these earthly things. You put your focus on heavenly things because he is the one who controls all, and, regardless. And another key is he reminds us who the enemy is. Mm -hmm. right. uh, the Satan's done a great job, which we looked at him a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. in the garden over these last few weeks. He's done a great job of deceiving us as believers, deceiving us as, well, just Americans in general, I mean, right, left. Mm, right. He's done a Republican, great job of making us all Democrat. I mean, you look at this election, just the election in general, look how divided mm. we are. Yeah. I mean, you can look at the popular vote. I know there's just a few million votes separating, but it's straight down the middle. Mm -hmm. And Satan's sitting back looking like, you know, look at what I'm doing. And then we as a church at times, we get caught up in that. And we think the elephant's the enemy. And we think the donkey or the donkey is the enemy. And we're bowing our knees to them when we should only be bowing our knee to the lamb. Amen. And 
and I catch myself doing that as well, you know, getting, you know, discouraged or getting upset that election may not go the way I think or it, it may go the way I want it to. And, you know, Lady hears me <laughs> vent about some things and I beat my head against something. I'm like, why would, you know, but anyway, that's beside the point. Jesus still rules and reigns. I think somebody said it best this week. Jesus is going to be king before the election. Jesus is still going to be king after the election. We have to remember who is behind every evil system or every evil thing in this world, and it is safely. Well, I mean, we have a great example of how to respond in the book of Daniel. Yeah. I don't think when Jerusalem was taken captive and all these royal children, they were like singing a merry tune as they marched from Jerusalem to Babylon and being like, it's going to be all right, God's got it. <laughs> we can handle this. Whatever. I mean, I know that they were in. They were in turmoil. They were in turmoil. Yeah. But the the what you see very quickly in the book of Daniel is they said, but regardless of the turmoil, I'm going to keep my eyes focused on mm -hmm. Him that can save us. Converge God yourself. can save us. Get jobs. Yeah. Raise your families. Family. Multiply. The, live life. The bless the country. But yeah. The conundrum for us. We live in a government at a time unlike any other right. time. Mm -hmm. We live in a democratic constitutional republic where we are governed not by a king or, or we are governed by a government. We are governed by us. People. We the people. We have a constitution that should set the rules and then we elect representatives to go and be our voice. There is, e even under the Roman governments that some of our system is patterned after, nothing like this was ever seen. Right. And so uh, we, we have a unique responsibility under our governmental system. Which has been the draw for our country since its foundation. Yes. Why people have fled other uh, governments in other countries to come to America to live the American dream. So, so in doing that, that puts us, that gets us in that spot we find ourselves in because we do have a responsibility. Right. Yes, we do have to think about who we're going to vote for, mm -hmm. and and we we do have to look and say, no, Jesus is not on the ballot. It's not going to be on the ballot. But he wouldn't want to be if what, he was but, here. But our country. Our, if you read our, our founding fathers, they plainly said this country was being built to be, be uh, the, the people that are in it to be led by moral values and ethics. Mm -hmm. that, that we were not set up. It would take a dictatorship, and it does take a dictatorship, to lead a people that are not willing to live and be self-governed by their own inner morals and values. That's what our country was originally founded for. We should not have to have a policeman sitting on the corner saying, don't burn that building down. Mm. That's not how our government is formed. We should not, you know, the, the, the police departments and laws should be minimal in the type of government that we were originally formed to be. And to see where we're at now shows that we have erred off of that path. And so we have a responsibility to try to set that back straight. And it is so frustrating when you see that people don't understand that. Mm -hmm. And that has what that 
freedom that comes from that is what made this country so amazing. The dirt and soil of North America is not that terribly different from the dirt and soil of South America. Mm -hmm. The dirt and soil of North America is not that terribly different from the dirt and soil of Africa. What is, or Europe, or any other place. The difference is that this country bought in early to the godly principles that men could live under a self-government that was based upon Judeo-Christian ethic that if followed would produce righteousness and freedom. And good, good citizenship. Good citizenship. And that's what produced mm -hmm. this country. That's what gave great men to invent things and, and produce the, the standard of living that America has enjoyed for over these years. Without that, they, this country will cease to exist. And, and the, one of the things that's, I think, frustrating for you know, many Christians or even some Americans is, I mean, you look back in our history, when we were declaring our independence, when people were writing, you know, John Hancock's name is the one that always stands out. And we see all these things, but there was preachers and, mm -hmm. you know, seminary, and they were signing, they were signing their death. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, their livelihoods, their family, they were putting it all on the line for this to work. Mm -hmm. You know, the, 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 the earliest ones, the pilgrims and all the other Christians were fleeing so that we could worship freely. And it seems like the frustrating part is we keep giving that back. What they fled is seems like what we are slowly been going back to. Well, it, it's it's like you're talking about. The founding fathers designed us to be a self-regulating society, but what we see is the farther we draw away from God, the more we cannot self-regulate because you lose your moral compass. Right. And you determine when you when man determines what is right. We've changed our absolute to no absolute. There's nothing absolutely right or wrong because you have nothing to base that principle off of. And so we see, and it's almost, I, I tie this, it's amazing how much Genesis has spoken to me because we talk about how God spoke and formed out of the chaos, you know, and he, his, his speaking and forming this was the absolute. Mm -hmm. It was and as the you, order. It was the order. And so it seems like we have lost for, for, for much of the United States as a whole, typically, maybe there may be pockets, there may be, but we have lost the voice of God and we see the chaos taking back over. And, and you know, what we have to understand, what is our role in this? You know, and it is to, again, to be the, what we were founded to be, you know, to be that light, to be that preservative so that people are drawn to us so what does that tell us? That means that we lost our light. Yep. Mm -hmm. And we lost our preservative. Or we're covering or, it up. Or we're covering mm -hmm. it up. Or, and I honestly, I mean, just to be really open, I think we got so inward focused that we couldn't be outwardly good. We covered it up mm -hmm. with our own self. With what we, 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 mm -hmm. we folded in on ourselves and for our own. I mean, how much of the church is, how much of this money that God has given us in America, did we not spend on reaching a lost world, how much do we spend on ourselves? Mm -hmm. Having our own little parties. Mm 
Mm -hmm. Our own little pleasures. Having our, I mean, how much is spent on having our own trips? How, how much do you reckon God's money is spent on pleasure trips out of the church? How much money is spent on going? What is the What is the place up in Indiana? Brunson? What's the Branson, Missouri? Branson, Missouri. How many believe that's supported? Almost, you know, church folks going to those places. I mean, Pigeon Forge. Pigeon Forge. I mean, is, is it wrong for a Christian to go to Pigeon Forge? No. How much of God's money is taken for pleasure for us to do those things? Was that what God really intended for us to tie that money to? And do, but that's what the American—that's what the Western, what the American church has turned into. And and what you're saying all looks very bleak, and and, <laughs> and very. But I, I just want to remind all of us of going back to Romans, Romans eight twenty-eight, that God works all things out for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. That means God works out the good things that we do, and God works out the bad things that we do, and the bad things that other people do. I had a situation this week where I picked up a nail in one of my tires. And, and if you've been around long enough, you know uh, that there are some tires that can be fixed and there are some tires that can't be fixed. And this was right on the edge of the sidewall and the tread. And I knew there was no way anybody was going to try to fix that. And so I had to go 45 miles away from where we were staying in order to get it fixed. Long story. I won't bore you with that part. But while I was there, uh, there just so happened to be a subway in the place where we were at, uh, where, where I was getting my, it's a Walmart. And so they had the subway at the front and the auto carry area in the back. And so I walked up front, I hadn't had lunch yet, walked up front, and there was this group of three young people. Uh, and I say young people, I mean early 20s, I'm not talking about teenagers. Who were trying to figure out a way to get the money to buy their food. And they weren't asking for nine, eight dollar sandwiches or anything like that. They were getting six inch, four dollar subs. And so I get up and I hear them doing all this and I get up there and I say, how much is their meal? And they say, it's twelve dollars and something for three people. I'm like, mm -hmm. and, and, and I'm, I'm not saying, hey, look at me, I paid for their meal. But I just wonder if that nail in the tire, which was bad for me, is what brought me to that Walmart to that subway, which I wouldn't typically go to in a town that I've never been in, in order to minister to, to those people. Mm -hmm. All the while, I'm wearing this. We, we, were, we have these t-shirts that we made up for Silas's trips that says, may I pray for you? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, just very big, you know, here's an opportunity to share the love of God. And so what I'm getting at is God, God used several different aggravations in my life to bring something good in these young people's life. That's right. and, and, I, and I think we have to remember that, that, that there is nothing so... Part of the things that I've struggled with over the years was if, if I mess up bad, it's going to mess up a bunch of other things. Like it's going to derail God's plan. I have to remind myself I'm not that powerful. I, 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 that's exactly right. I'm totally <laughs> not that are, powerful. You're not that powerful. And, and God's already baked it in. He's already baked <laughs> in the, your goofs. Your sins, your transgressions, he's already baked all that in. And your forgiveness. Yep, yep. There's a TV commercial out now for, I don't know, but you know, these guys, the folks are sitting around, they're watching the ball game, and he predicts that the guy's going to make the field goal, and he misses. Mm. And they all accuse him of throwing the game, 
They're watching it on TV because and he says, wait a minute, I don't have that much power. Right. And they all look at him, oh yeah, you do, you know. Mm -hmm. And he gets put in the police car. I don't, I don't remember what that. I Dr. Pepper. Is it Dr. Okay, Dr. Pepper. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember what the commercials are about. So, so, you know, we're not that important. But God works all those things out. And I reckon if we're going to sum up, because our time's up, how we should react the church to the political thing is, yes, we have responsibility. Yes. Yes, we should do what we should do, but remember, salt and light. Be salt, salt and light. light. Do our part, but remember, God's got. That's right. God, God's, God's got right. everything in control. How He's going to work it out, I don't know. What What He's going? Maybe it, He may have to lead us, and we may need to be led through some discipline. And if you lead, read the last book, it gets pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. it does. <laughs> yep, pretty bad. Yeah, that's understandable. I think we can close with this. I saw it several, shared several times this week, and um, it was a sermon from Billy Graham in Habakkuk chapter 1. And Habakkuk says, O Lord, how long shall I cry, and you will not hear? Even cry out to you violence, and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? And the Lord's reply is, Look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded. For I will work a work in your days, which you would not believe it if I had told it to you. That's right. That's right. You know, we have to, he is, he is in ultimate control. That's exactly right. He is the God of yesterday, today, and forever, and nothing surprises him. Right. Nothing takes him by chance. He has a plan, and what he needs is a people who will rely on that plan and respond to him when called. Amen. So there is not a bleak, I don't believe it's a bleak situation, but I do think it is a time for the church to be. To be the church. To be the church, to be reflective. Right. What is our next step? And to seek him in maybe ways we've never done that before so that we can be effective for whatever this next, like I said, this next era brings us. Because I do believe we, have, we, have, we are seeing a change in the church era. Mm -hmm. And we must be prepared. And that is what he tells us in his word over and over again. Yeah. It's going to change. It's going to change in ways you wouldn't believe if I, didn't, if I told you. Mm -hmm. So be faithful. And let's, and let's see what God has in store. Yeah. Hans, thanks for being with us. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Always enjoy talking with you. Yeah, it's always we'll have you back soon. <laughs> Look forward to it. Right. Well, thank you for being with us tonight. We hope that... You hear what's going on here locally, whether it's um, at individual churches within our association and how we're all just trying to figure things out for our individual congregations, but also as a church community. And what we're all trying to figure out is our next steps for us, both individually and corporately as Christians. And we look forward to, to meeting here on Sunday nights and talking through some of those things to, to what I look forward to is diving into the Word of God. So often our... our um, our learning is individual. We're reading our Bible separately, but when we do these things and we talk through certain ideas and thoughts that it allows things to open up and maybe see um, things in new ways. So I look forward to that. I know everyone here does, and we hope you look forward to it as well. Uh, you, we're always available to send us questions at our email address, which is abcworth1 at gmail.com. That's abcworth1 at gmail.com. We hope you have a good evening and look forward to next week. <laughs>